Are you ready to revolutionize the way you enjoy food and essentials at home? Introducing DashPass from DoorDash, your ultimate ticket to convenience and savings. With DashPass, you gain exclusive access to unlimited $0 delivery fees on eligible orders, along with members-only deals and discounts that will leave your wallet smiling. Whether you're craving the flavors of your favorite restaurants, need groceries from across town, or anything in between, DashPass ensures that everything you need is just a few clicks away, delivered right to your door. With DashPass, not only do you enjoy $0 delivery fees, but you'll also benefit from lower service fees on eligible orders, making it the most affordable way to satisfy your cravings and stock up on essentials from your local favorites. What I really love is how quickly DashPass pays for itself. On average, it takes just two orders, which makes it a no-brainer investment for your budget. And as if that weren't enough, DashPass grants you special access to exclusive promotions and menu items, adding an extra layer of excitement to your DoorDash experience. You get all this for only $9.99 a month, which is a small price to pay for unlimited convenience and savings. My family and I have had DoorDash for the past year or so, and while I make most meals at home, I don't know that I could mom without it. I used it twice just this past week while we were dealing with a stomach bug at home, and it was so nice to have and to be able to focus on getting better and not running all over town to pick everything up for everyone. Don't wait. Sign up for DashPass now and unlock a world of possibilities, all from the comfort of your home. DashPass from DoorDash, delivering joy, convenience, and savings straight to your doorstep. Get more from delivery for less with DashPass. $0 delivery fees and reduced service fees on eligible DoorDash orders. Sign up for DashPass today and get your first 30 days free if you're a new member. Subject to change. Terms apply. Open the door to $0 delivery fees and savings you can't get anywhere else. Sign up for DashPass today, only on DoorDash, and get your first 30 days free if you're a new member. Subject to change, terms apply. guys, and welcome to the Moms and Mysteries podcast, a true crime podcast featuring myself, Mandy, and my dear friend, Melissa. Hi, Melissa. Hi, Mandy. How are you? I'm wonderful. I'm counting down the days until school returns. I'm not enjoying the very hot heat that we're having here in Florida. All the usual Agree. things. Yeah. <laughs> to be fair, it's like the hottest month on record, I think, everywhere. And so we're all suffering together. And Melissa, it's not even August yet, which as we know, Shut it. is truly the hottest month of the year. Maybe September. I don't even know when. It just... I think it's August. It keeps getting right. hotter and hotter later and later into the year. So I'm scared yeah. going into the next couple of months because we are nowhere near done with summer heat down here in Florida and it is already so bad. It's rough stuff. Um, you just went on vacation. You had a nice time. It looked beautiful, right? I did. Yeah. My family took our summer vacation. We drove. It was a road trip, which is something I actually thought that we had done before with the kids, but they told me that we have never done that. So they were really excited to get out. Uh, my older son was telling me that like they, he's never been out of the state of Florida, which I thought was like complete nonsense. That's not true. Because we're always doing things, but apparently- 
Well, New York is different. I guess he doesn't count that because we're going to visit like his North Florida. Is that what you're calling it? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Uh, But most of the time we do kind of stay in Florida. We've gone, we've been down to the Keys and we've gone over to the West Coast and stayed over there for a few days. But we don't really take a lot of trips out of the state. So we went to South Carolina and stayed at this mountain lake, Lake Jocasi. If you have ever been there or heard of it, then you probably know like it's absolutely gorgeous and totally different environment than what we're used to down here. Yeah. in Florida with, you know, this everything, the scenery and everything is different. <laughs> Literally everything. Everything. But um, yeah, it was still hot. And I was surprised by that. I thought that it would be cold, like that the water would be cold in the lake because mm-hmm. it's in the middle of mountains. But it was actually really hot. And I always said I would never leave Florida because I love living here so much. But after experiencing like how beautiful it was there and seeing that it is still hot, you can still do like water things and it's still yeah. hot. But um everything was amazing. The views were amazing. The mornings were nice and cool. I don't know. They may have convinced me to move a little tiny bit further up north. I am always saying to my husband, can we please move to a Carolina? I'm not even specific anymore, but it's so beautiful up there. That's where like anytime we do take a trip, it's that area because it's just gorgeous. It's it's very flat here. Um, yeah. <laughs> there's no mountains. Like my son tried to tell me there was a mountain the other day. And I was like, buddy, that's just a hill. I don't really know how to explain this to you, but we don't have that. <laughs> so yeah, I get it. I'm, I'm glad that you guys had a good time. The pictures look beautiful. It looks like a great area. I'm going to have to, we're going to have to do that sometime. That looked great. It was really nice. It was really relaxing. I know a lot of families do vacations where they have a lot of things planned. Like you see that a lot of people who come down, especially here to Central Florida to go visit theme parks and to just have something on their list to do every day. But I like to take the kind of vacations where we don't really have an itinerary and we just kind of get there and decide what we're going to do. So it was really nice. That was a really good place to go. Uh, Where we went was a really nice place to go to kind of do that and have a little bit of a quieter vacation, not so busy. So yeah, I really appreciated and enjoyed that for sure. Oh, good. Yeah. That's awesome. Real quick, we are doing like a monthly live um, over on Patreon. If you wanted to join us, patreon.com slash moms and mysteries podcast. Next Saturday, or actually this Saturday when this comes out, uh, July, I almost said January. How sad. I wish it was January. (laughs) July 29th at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We're going to do a live thing. You can comment. We've learned how to put comments up on the screen, which I feel proud of every single time we do it. Maybe we'll figure out how to play a video. I don't know. I definitely don't know the laws about that. Um, But we'll figure something out. It'll be fun. Patreon.com slash Moms and Mysteries podcast. We also have ad-free episodes. We have early release. We have a bonus episode every month. Did I mention patreon.com slash moms and mysteries podcast? Because that's where it's at. (laughs) (laughs) I think you got it all in there. (laughs) Yeah, I love all the stuff we've been trying to do on Patreon. The live stuff is really fun. One of the other ideas I had, Melissa, that we can do uh, either this month, if people like say they would like to do this, but you know, you can play those Jackbox games. Yes, And those are always fun to do with a lot of people who can jump in and play along with us. So maybe that's something that we can try doing. Yeah, you want to try that? Uh, again, sure. it was a January, July 29th, <laughs> 8 p.m. Jackbox games. There's so much. There you fun. go. It's great. With us, yeah. with the moms. Perfect. Yeah. So there you go. We just made our plans right here with this you guys. This is actually 100% how things go. It's just uh, one of us coming up with an idea and the other one being like, sure. Yeah. Great. Okay. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. All great right. Well, I'm super into it. All right. So we'll get into the story for this week. Uh, while working on this one, I had a really scary realization, and that was that 
sometimes people go missing and the authorities actually do not bother looking for them. And, you know, we always hear about cases where adults are reported missing and sometimes they actually disappeared on their own accord or on purpose. They either left or ran away and didn't want to be found. But the alternative to that, of course, is that somebody really is missing and they're in danger or they're hurt and there's nobody coming to help them. When Mark Nichols reported his wife Christy missing, that's exactly what happened. It was December 11th, 1987, when Mark called the police and stated that his wife was missing, but she had left on her own, taking a suitcase with her that included two pairs of jeans, a sweatshirt, a bra, and a jacket. Less than 24 hours earlier, the couple had taken their two young kids out for pizza and then to get photos taken with Santa, and then they had their babysitter come over while Mark and Christy went for a night out. When they returned home shortly before 2 o'clock in the morning on the 11th, Mark paid the babysitter and sent her on her way. But a mystery began to unfold over the next several hours, leading to Mark reporting Christy missing at 1.37 p.m. that day. Christy and Mark have been married for less than three years, and they had two very young children together. The couple met in the tiny town of Gothenburg, Nebraska in 1984 when Christy was 19 and Mark was 23. Christy had just graduated from high school and moved to Gothenburg to live with her grandmother and to work. After she and Mark got together, their relationship progressed very quickly and the two were soon married. They continued to live in Gothenburg, which, as we said, was a super small farming town, only about 3,500 people that live there, which, back to our Google the City days, we know that this is a very small amount. Also, just living in the world. 3,500 is not many people. (laughs) So for Mark, his marriage to Christy was actually his second one. Very quickly, still in 1984, the couple welcomed their first child, and in 1986, their second was born. Christy's mom, Connie, said that Christy was the most proud mother there could be, and they said her focus was completely on loving and doting on her children. Connie said, quote, Christy never felt she accomplished anything until she had her children, and there was something she could look at and say, Hey, I did this pretty well. Nobody can do this any better, end quote. Christy, who was also known to be very smart, albeit quiet and timid and really painfully shy, actually worked part-time as a bartender at a local hangout called Pete's Lounge, and Mark was an attendant at a service station. As you may have noticed, one thing we didn't say about Christy and Mark's marriage was that they had some sort of an idyllic relationship, and that's really because they didn't. In fact, in the days leading up to Christy's disappearance, she had even visited with an abuse counselor. When Mark reported Christy missing on December 11th, 1987, he told police that she had left on her own will and even packed a suitcase to take along with her. He provided a detailed list of items that Christy took and allowed the chief to look around the house. Nothing appeared to be out of place during this walk around. It was noticed that Christy did not pack her toiletries, her makeup, her winter coat, the majority of her clothing, or really important things to her like her social security card. She also left behind all of her jewelry, and she never picked up her paycheck, which was ready on that same day. Also, her car was still there in the driveway. But despite all of this, officers believed when Mark told them that Christy had simply just abandoned her family on purpose, and as a result, there was no investigation immediately launched into Christy's whereabouts, which I think is absolutely terrifying. Like I was saying in the beginning, just this like thought of like, oh my gosh, like it could be that easy that 
I could go missing and like no one would come find me just based on the words of one person saying, oh, yeah, she just took off. And the police are like, okay, that seems legit. And like no one even looks into it. That's really, really scary to think about. It reminds me a little of uh, Tiffany Booth, the story we told a few months ago, how her family had to fight to get people to even look into it and how important those first and early days really are. Right. Yeah. And little did police know in this case, there was every reason to investigate. And if they had investigated or even just taken the simple step of speaking with Christie's friends and family, they may have realized that there was a totally different possibility when it came to what happened to Christie. Christy had actually told a few people that she was being abused by Mark. One of them was her cousin. Christy had showed her cousin a bruise that she had on her left side and told her that Mark had thrown her around during an argument. Christy acted like it really wasn't a big deal, and she gave the impression that this was something that happened often. Christy's parents, Connie and Ken, also had strong suspicions that their daughter was being abused, but they lived really too far away to be able to confirm it. After Christy disappeared, her mom started to realize that Christy had actually been kind of telling her and hinting around about this pattern of abuse for quite some time. And it became more clear that Christy had been suffering from extreme violence at the hands of her husband, probably throughout their entire marriage. In the days leading up to Christy's disappearance, she confided in her mom that she and Mark had been going through it for a few days. She told her mom that Mark had actually taken their kids and gone to his parents' house and wouldn't let Christy see them. Connie said Christy seemed really afraid, but she told her parents not to worry about it and not to come visit. But Connie checked in with Christy after this quite a bit, you know, just to keep an eye on things. Yeah. The real reason Mark had taken the kids away from Christy was because he had recently learned that she'd gone to a divorce attorney and was planning on leaving him. Mark told Christy that he would bring the kids back if she agreed not to meet with this attorney again, and he also wanted her to quit her job at the bar, and Christy agreed to these terms. Soon after Mark returned with the kids, Christy called her mom and said everything was fine and that the couple had worked things out. During this conversation, Christy mentioned that Mark had actually removed her name from their checking account and threatened to have the police, quote unquote, pick her up if she tried to leave town. So according to Connie, who again is Christy's mom, Christy was very naive and timid. She really believed whatever Mark told her when it came to things like that. It was later learned that Mark had actually been abusive towards his first wife as well. Although Christy had agreed to try and smooth things over, she was still planning to escape. Just two days before she disappeared, she secretly met with another divorce attorney from out of town. This attorney later said that when he met Christy for the first time, she was highly distressed, nervous, and seriously in need of help. He said her case ranked in the top five that he could recall where a client was that upset, which I think says a lot. Yeah. Chrissy told the lawyer about the abuse, and he convinced her to call the police with him while they were together and report certain crimes that had taken place. So Christy made an appointment to meet with his attorney again, and she showed no sign that she was planning to take off without warning. During the meeting, the attorney noticed a bruise on Christy's arm from where Mark had grabbed her. After seeing Christy's fear and the physical bruises on her body, the attorney told her that he would actually file the divorce for her and she could just pay him back later. So kudos to this attorney. Yeah. So the attorney also set up a meeting for Christy with the police chief and an abuse counselor. That meeting was set for December 10th, which was the day before Mark reported Christy missing. So what happened on December 10th? Well, Christy went to the meeting, and she gave a statement about how her thumb had been injured in one of her fights with Mark. 
During this meeting, Christy had the kids with her. And I say kids, but I really mean babies because the oldest one was just just three. And the younger one was, of course, younger than three. So any parent knows two kids, three and under is honestly some kind of a nightmare. I don't even know how else to put it. (laughs) In the nicest way. In the the nicest way. In the most loving motherly way. Yes, of course. Um, So the police chief said that the kids were all over the place and that was causing Christy to become very flustered and very stressed. But the abuse counselor actually disagreed that Christy was very distressed during this meeting. Maybe, who knows, maybe the officer like didn't have kids and just was like, wow, this lady is really stressed out. And maybe the abuse counselor did have kids and was like, no, this is just how it is when you have kids. But either way, um, it was kind of, it was a lot going on. It was very overwhelming. So Christy did make another appointment to meet with the abuse counselor again the following day on December the 11th. Later on, still on the 10th, the Nichols family all went out for pizza and then they went to get the kids' pictures taken with Santa. Even though the couple wasn't getting along well, they decided to call their babysitter over so that they could go out for the evening. The sitter was actually surprised that they even called her because she had known the family for about a year. She had been watching the kids for about a year and she knew that the couple really was not doing well. So they ended up going out to the bar where Christy used to work and they played pool and according to Mark, things really went well that night and they were laughing and getting along great. But later on, the bar owner, who also happened to be Christy's uncle, said that Mark and Christy were not on good terms that night and the tension between them was really obvious. It was around midnight when they left the bar and headed back home. They stopped at a convenience store on the way, and Christy stayed up front and chatted with the clerk while Mark shopped around for breakfast items and some milk. The store clerk noticed that Christy was really on edge, and it seemed like she was in a hurry to get out of there. We have more to get into with this story after a quick word from this week's sponsors. Whether you're running your business, running your family, or just running yourself ragged, the key to keeping yourself going is to stay hydrated. And if you're ready to quench your thirst, you have to check out Liquid IV. Liquid IV packs a punch with a powerful blend of eight essential vitamins and nutrients, delivering everyday wellness in every sip. And get this, it has three times the electrolytes found in those leading sports drinks. Plus, they actually care about what's going in your body, which is why they've crafted their formula to be non-GMO and free from gluten, dairy, and soy. It's a clean and refreshing drink you can trust. And with flavors like white peach, liquid IV is delicious. I love that I can throw it in my bag and pull it out to add water to it whenever I need it. For me, convenience is everything and liquid IV gets that. On top of that, you can feel good when you purchase Liquid IV thanks to the amazing good they are doing. They're teaming up with leading organizations to fund and nurture innovative solutions, empowering communities to safeguard their precious water resources and secure a brighter future for all. And guess what? Liquid IV has already made a monumental impact, donating over 39 million servings to more than 50 countries across the globe. That's right, they're actually spreading hydration and hope to those who need it most. Real people, real flavor, real hydrating. Now, sugar-free. Grab your Liquid IV Hydration Multiplier sugar-free in bulk nationwide at Costco or get 20% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use code MOMS at checkout. That's 20% off anything you order when you use promo code MOMS at liquidiv.com. It's been a while since I've had a baby of my own, and some days I miss it so much. The baby cuddles and baby smiles, but when it comes to diaper rashes... Not so much. I remember the first time my oldest had a diaper rash, I was really devastated. 
Here's this tiny thing totally dependent on me and now she's fussy and obviously uncomfortable and I'm supposed to have the answers. Well, with time and treatment, it went away, but what I really wanted was to avoid it altogether. And now baby butts rejoice. New Huggies Skin Essentials are here, a brand new dermatologist-approved line of diapers, wipes, and pull-ups training pants, all designed with baby's sensitive skin in mind. The wipes are thick and have zero harsh ingredients for a great, gentle clean. Pull-Up Skin Essentials has got your big kid covered, too, with a training pant that's ultra-soft and breathable to help protect sensitive skin throughout potty training. Whether you're a first-time parent or a seasoned pro, make it easy on yourself and your baby with Huggies. Learn more at Huggies.com. Once again, head to Huggies.com to learn more. Are you ready to revolutionize the way you enjoy food and essentials at home? Introducing DashPass from DoorDash, your ultimate ticket to convenience and savings. With DashPass, you gain exclusive access to unlimited $0 delivery fees on eligible orders, along with members-only deals and discounts that will leave your wallet smiling. Whether you're craving the flavors of your favorite restaurants, need groceries from across town, or anything in between, DashPass ensures that everything you need is just a few clicks away, delivered right to your door. With DashPass, not only do you enjoy $0 delivery delivery fees, but you'll also benefit from lower service fees on eligible orders, making it the most affordable way to satisfy your cravings and stock up on essentials from your local favorites. What I really love is how quickly DashPass pays for itself. On average, it takes just two orders, which makes it a no-brainer investment for your budget. And as if that weren't enough, DashPass grants you special access to exclusive promotions and menu items, adding an extra layer of excitement to your DoorDash experience. You get all this for only $9.99 a month, which is a small price to pay for unlimited convenience and savings. My family and I have had DoorDash for the past year or so, and while I make most meals at home, I don't know that I could mom without it. I used it twice just this past week while we were dealing with a stomach bug at home, and it was so nice to have and to be able to focus on getting better and not running all over town to pick everything up for everyone. Don't wait. Sign up for DashPass now and unlock a world of possibilities, all from the comfort of your home. DashPass from DoorDash, delivering joy, convenience, and savings straight to your doorstep. Get more from delivery for less with DashPass. $0 delivery fees and reduced service fees on eligible DoorDash orders. Sign up for DashPass today and get your first 30 days free if you're a new member. Subject to change. Terms apply. Open the door to $0 delivery fees and savings you can't get anywhere else. Sign up for DashPass today, only on DoorDash, and get your first 30 days free if you're a new member. Subject to change, terms apply. And now back to the episode. So before the break, we were discussing the disappearance of Christy Nichols and kind of what her husband's saying up until now, what had happened that night, according to him. So Mark ended up saying that they went straight home after the convenience store and Christy went right inside and headed straight for the bathroom where she stayed about 15 minutes. That night, Mark paid the babysitter in cash, which was actually unusual because Christy normally paid with a check. And the sitter ended up leaving a short time later. She actually never saw Christy come inside from the car when the couple arrived home. Later on, the sitter would recall hearing only one car door slam and says she only heard footsteps for one person, and she never saw or heard Christy in the bathroom. Once the sitter was gone, Christy allegedly went straight to bed and Mark joined her a short time later at around 2 a.m. By that time, Mark said Christy was already sound asleep. This was the last time Mark says he saw Christy. So according to Mark, he was woken up by the kids at around 7 the next morning, and the first thing he noticed was that Christy wasn't there. 
He went around the house looking for her, but instead he realized that a suitcase and some of Chrissy's belongings were missing. But strangely, both of the family's cars were still parked in the driveway. Around 8.30 or so that morning, Chrissy's mom called to see how things went with the abuse counselor the day before. But Mark answered and told her that Christy was still asleep. So Connie asked him to please have Christy call her when she woke back up. Connie was left with really a bad feeling after this call, so she actually decided to call one of Christy's friends and ask if they would try to call Christy. So the friend agreed and dialed the number for the Nichols residence. Mark answered the phone again, but this time he actually told her friend that Christy was out shopping uptown, which was at 8.30 in the morning, which... There are stores open at 8.30 in the morning, but like if you're shopping uptown, that's like 10 a.m. and up, right? Like in, in I would general, think, I would think, and honestly, like this has happened to me so many times because I am a very early riser and like I've tried to go shopping right. that early <laughs> and nothing is open and it actually gets on my nerves. I've even texted you about this before. So immediately I would be like, where is she shopping Impossible. at 8.30 in the morning? Right, exactly. So yeah, for me, I would immediately find that to be a red flag. Right. So when the friend called Connie back and told her what Mark said, both women started to panic because he actually had just told them two completely different stories. So Connie then called Christy's grandmother, who said that she hadn't heard or seen Christy either. A few hours later, around 1130 a.m., Mark showed up at Christy's grandmother's house with the kids and asked if she could watch them while he went out and looked for Christy. He actually told Christy's grandma that she had just left and he appeared to be shaken up at the time. We're not exactly sure what Mark did over those next two hours. He says that he was driving around town looking for any sign of his wife, but at 1.37 p.m., he called and reported her missing. When Christy's mom found out that Mark had told Christy's grandmother that she simply packed up a few things and left her kids behind, she knew something really was not right about that. Connie decided that she was going to go to the police herself, but when she got to them, they said they already knew that Christy had, quote, left and abandoned her children. So when Connie called Mark about this, he told her the same thing. And Connie said to him, you know she didn't do that, but Mark refused to say anything else. Connie knew that Christy was a very loving mother, she was a good daughter, and she was just all around a thoughtful and caring person. On top of that, she was always in contact with her mom or with somebody at all times. It would be so far out of character that it seems completely impossible that she would have just left her kids behind and wouldn't have contacted her mom or anybody else. Unfortunately, despite the fact that many signs pointed to foul play, the police did not investigate Christie's absence as if it were a concern. As we said, as a result of this, there was almost no media reporting on her case until February of 1988, which was months after Christie was last seen. According to the Gothenburg Leader, the first time any newspapers made any mention of Christie's disappearance was on December the 16th, but there wasn't really a full article. It was just a small blurb on page two asking the public to keep an eye out for Christie. And her disappearance wasn't mentioned again until January 6th of 1988. And in this article, the police chief was quoted saying that Mark found a handwritten note in Christie's car that was believed to have been written by her. And this letter was actually addressed to a man that Christie was allegedly having an affair with. And it was talking about leaving her husband and kids. So the state crime lab conducted tests and they were able to confirm that the handwriting on this letter was Christie's. And so the police also were able to follow up on that and determine that Christy was actually seeing someone else. 
when they interviewed this other person, he said that Christy was just lonely and needed someone to talk to. But after speaking with this man, officers were convinced that he was not involved with Christy's disappearance. Furthermore, in this article, the chief said that there had been three people around town who claimed to have seen Christy after she was reported missing, and that as of that point, the police really had nothing to indicate that there had been any foul play. Since Christy's family was getting really no help from the police, they were forced into the position of trying to investigate her disappearance and searching for her themselves. They organized poster distribution and extensive ground searches, but these efforts turned up no new information. They decided to hire a PI, and the family became very invested and involved in solving Chrissy's case. Chrissy's Aunt Joanne even moved to Omaha to work for the PI herself, which is incredible. It's changing your entire life for this family member, which is also very incredible, but it's just amazing to see what lengths people were going to in her family to look for her. Chrissy's mom, Connie, also joined in the efforts to dig deeper into what happened. They learned that Mark had actually moved out of the family home the same day he reported Christy missing and that he had sold both of the family cars within a few weeks. About six weeks after Christy's disappearance, the PI her family hired managed to get access into the house where the couple had lived that time. And when he looked around, he found blood on the carpet in the bedroom. This discovery led to the PI and the family going back to the Dawson County Attorney's Office and asking the state to open an investigation. The state agreed, and on February 4th, the Nebraska State Patrol took over the case. Investigators got a warrant to search the house and found the blood on the carpet in the bedroom as well as in the bathroom sink. The chief of Gothenburg Police was later asked how he missed the blood when he checked out the home. He told the Lincoln Journal Star that he actually didn't miss the blood, He actually saw it, but he really didn't think much of it because it was just a round spot about the size of a half dollar. He added that he, quote, really wasn't looking for blood, end quote. So were you really looking for a person? I'd like to know what you were doing that day. What were you really looking for when you were looking around the house for anything suspicious? Because blood seems like it would be at the top of that list. (laughs) Exactly. What really blows my mind in this story is... Considering that the day before she disappeared, Christy actually told this same chief that she was being abused. She had visible bruises at the time. And according to the Omaha World Herald, the chief actually knew Mark's family very well. The chief later left law enforcement after pleading no contest to an official misconduct charge that, guess what, was actually unrelated to Christy's disappearance. So this guy was a real winner. Yeah, and... That's real tough in a town of 3,500 people. Right. You know, like, what are you, what can you do? So, or what are you going to do? You know? Yeah. So, the piece of bloody carpet was cut out and sent for testing. When they started cutting it away, they realized that the blood actually had soaked all the way through the pad under the carpet. And the stain that was on the pad was a much larger stain than the one that was on the carpet that they could initially see the one that was under the pad was about the size of a coffee saucer so we're still not talking about a massive amount of blood they were saying that it was like the size of a half dollar that they could see and then they started cutting away and realized it was more like the size of a coffee saucer so a small plate right so the blood was confirmed to be christie's but mark had an explanation for why there was blood on the floor he said that christie had some kind of accident and it was menstrual blood It wasn't. They, of course, ran lab tests on that, and it was confirmed that the blood um, was not menstrual blood. So Mark continued to allege that Christy had run off on her own and insinuated that she had taken off with this man that she was having an affair with. 
But at some point, investigators found more of Christie's blood in the trunk of Mark's car. And this was a discovery that made Christie's family sure that the worst had happened. Up to that point, Connie held on to the hope that maybe Mark had just beaten Christy so badly that she had to hide for a while, which is also horrifying that that was your best case scenario, thinking right. like maybe she's, you know, maybe he hurt her so bad that she has to heal from whatever beating she got. And as a mom, that that for you is your best case scenario. Yeah. Like that's really heartbreaking to think that that was her thought process, you know, this whole time that they didn't know where she was. Right. Uh, but once they had found so much new blood in different places, that's when Connie really started to think that Christy actually could be dead. After the blood was discovered in the trunk, a judge ordered that the Nichols children be removed from Mark's care, and they were sent to live with Christy's mom, Connie. So Connie had the kids for about a year, but then unfortunately a new judge sent them to foster care because this judge said that the kids needed, quote, a more neutral environment. And, oh, my gosh, just hearing that, too, was like a punch to the gut. Like, this poor family, poor Connie having to go through Mm -hmm. all of this. And I just don't even understand that. I guess I understand if the case was that the kids were then, you know, that Con- it wasn't a good placement with Connie, you know, and then right. they, they would be better off in foster care. But there are very, I feel like it's not all that, like, of course, it's more ideal to have the kids stay with somebody in the family if that person sure. is able to care for them. Why would you want to move them to foster care um, for no reason? But that, that's what the happened. The foster so. care system's taxed enough. It's not yeah. like it's, you know, that's just another thing to add on to it. But yeah, and for these poor kids, so now you're taking them from everyone they know. The kids haven't done anything wrong. Right. To call it a more neutral environment is total crap. It's turmoil to the kids, for sure. Yeah. So later, the kids were then uprooted again and sent to live with Mark's parents, where Mark was actually also living. It doesn't feel very neutral. No, it really doesn't. But Connie was able to visit every other weekend um, for a little while. And of course, she was constantly worrying about the kids when she wasn't able to be with them. And sadly, when Mark later regained full custody, he completely cut off the visits with Connie. She later said that during the time she had the kids in her care, Christy's daughter, who was three at the time, told her that, quote, daddy put mommy in a bucket and put her in green water. Man. So now that the state patrol was in charge of the case, the media began reporting a little bit more heavily on it. They announced that they had put two more officers on the case, but they said that they had no evidence that Christy was dead. They also admitted, though, that they didn't know where she was. Connie and the PI that was working with the family told the World Herald that they thought there was foul play and publicly stated that Mark had been abusing Christy and that she had met up with an attorney and an abuse counselor in the days immediately leading up to her disappearance. Mark, who also did an interview for the World Herald, said that his wife left home because she was, quote, tired of married life and being tied down, end quote. He denied any abuse and said that they only had pillow fights and fun. And Why would you even say that? That doesn't even make – that's not a thing people would just say. That's no, wild. No. Detectives looked into Mark's story about how he had drove around looking for Christy for two hours before he actually reported her missing, and they were unable to find a single person who could confirm seeing him during that time. When they looked into Christy's claims of abuse, they found out that Christy had been treated at the hospital after suffering injuries in a fight with Mark. They also learned about the divorce attorney that Christy met with two days before she went missing. And they learned from friends and family that Christy was often trying to conceal or easily explain away the bruises. 
Although it seemed like there was plenty of evidence to suggest that Mark had something to do with Christie's disappearance, they didn't have enough for an arrest, so they kept digging. Christie's mom and the PI also kept investigating, doing ground searches, and just keeping in touch with the authorities. But still, there was no progress in her case. In March of 1988, three months after Christy vanished, a trucker found a suitcase by a tree at a rest area off the interstate about 30 miles west of Gothenburg. It was uncovered when the snow finally melted that spring. So inside the suitcase, they find two pairs of jeans, a sweatshirt, a bra, and a jacket. There was also a purse inside the suitcase that contained a hairbrush, pen, lighter, matchbook, lipstick, Neutrogena cream, lipstick, nail file, mirror, one piece of gum, and one coin. These items were all confirmed to be Christie's. And of course, that was a lot of things that we just rattled off, but it was actually very important because the items inside the suitcase were exactly what Mark told officers that Christie had taken with her on the day he reported her missing. Officers believed it was obvious that the suitcase was placed there rather than just thrown out. The items were actually neatly placed around as if someone wanted it to be found there. One officer said, quote, if my wife had left me, I wouldn't be able to look through the closet and tell you what she had taken. I probably would be able to tell you maybe what suitcase she had taken, but he had listed items of clothing right down the line that he knew she had taken, end quote. Mark claimed police were lying, and he said he, quote, knew for a fact he did not describe the exact contents of Chrissy's suitcase. Further searches turned up nothing more, but after finding Chrissy's suitcase, police finally believed that something nefarious happened. In June of 1988, Connie wrote to a local paper asking for help with finding her daughter's body. In this letter, she stated that she thought Chrissy had been murdered and likely buried somewhere in the Dawson County area. Connie wrote about the despair the family was facing in the wake of Christie's disappearance. Police said they had found nothing to indicate that Christie was alive, and her case was classified as a missing persons case with suspected foul play involved. Mark told the media he thought his wife was alive and didn't know why she hadn't contacted her family. He also said he had no idea police had found blood in the family's old home and that he had only moved out because the rent was too high. Seems convenient. And we still have more to get into after one last break to hear a word from this week's sponsors. We're in the dog days of summer and I am over it. Unfortunately, that's really not how summer works. So I'll be complaining for the foreseeable future about it. But one thing I'm not complaining about is body odor. Thanks to Lumi. Lumi was created by an OBGYN who knows her way around body odor. Lumi is seriously safe to use anywhere on your body. We're talking pits, under boobs, thigh folds, belly buttons, butt cracks, personal areas, and feet. On top of that, Lumi is clinically proven to block odor all day and control odor for up to 72 hours. Unlike those other deodorants that just try to cover up the smell with a fragrance, Lumi is formulated and powered by mandelic acid to stop odor before it even starts. It's like a pre-odorant. But beyond that, Lumi is aluminum-free, baking soda-free, and paraben-free. And for all you sensitive folks out there, it's pH balanced for safe use below the belt. I keep Lumi deodorant wipes in my gym bag because that's a great time for a refresh, if you know what I mean. I'm partial to the lavender sage fragrance, but I can't wait to try out their new Powder Fresh. 
Speaking of fresh, that's exactly how I feel after using Lumi. So don't let body odor get you down. Get your hands on Lumi whole body deodorant and say goodbye to funky smells for good. Lumi starter pack is perfect for new customers. It comes with a solid stick deodorant, cream tube deodorant, two free products of your choice like mini body wash and deodorant wipes, and free shipping. As a special offer for listeners, new customers get $5 off a Lumi starter pack with code MOMS at lumideodorant.com. That equates to over 40% off your starter pack when you visit lumideodorant.com and use code MOMS. And now back to the episode. Before the break, we were talking about the story of the disappearance of Christy Nichols and her husband, Mark claimed that she had taken off on her own accord and abandoned her two small children. Mark had actually gone so far as to give the police a detailed list of items that Christy had taken with her in a suitcase the day that she left. And months later, when the snow had finally melted, the police found this suitcase at a rest stop off the side of the interstate. And surprise, surprise, it contained exactly the items that Christy's husband, Mark, said she took with her. So at this point, Mark is actually looking more suspicious. Really, for the first time, the police are taking this case seriously as a missing persons case and not just a case of an adult who left on their own free will. So in the summer of 1988, the popular show Unsolved Mysteries took an interest in Christy's story, and they filmed an episode on it. They spoke with Mark, who denied having any involvement, and said, quote, People in small towns, they talk a lot, and a lot of these rumors tend to get pretty vicious. There's been a couple rumors that I chopped her up and put her in garbage bags and buried her at the dump. That's one of the first ones I heard, and that one really got to me, because I guess they were actually up there digging around. End quote. Bizarre quote to give unsolved mysteries. So weird. So Mark alleged that any rumors about him, in his words, quote, beating up on Christy were totally wrong. He claimed he had never done anything to hurt his wife and that he wasn't a violent person. He said he just wanted Christy to come home. Around the same time that Unsolved Mysteries was filming this segment, Christy's family also had around 500 volunteers join them in a search for Christy's body. The plan was to search a 15-mile radius around Gothenburg in early October with the hope that people would get together and use their four-wheel drive vehicles, their ATVs, horses, helicopters, airplanes, etc., all to help in this massive search effort. The PI that the family was working with was going to be leading the search while the Nebraska State Patrol would be on standby to help. There was even a fun setup for this search as well. All in all, about 300 people showed up to help, and they broke into several different teams. There was 12 ground teams, seven all-terrain vehicle teams, five horse teams, two boat teams, and two scuba teams. At times during this search, volunteers did find items that they thought could be evidence, but unfortunately, all of it turned out to be unrelated to Christie's case. This Unsolved Mysteries episode aired in November, and that led to around 165 new calls coming in, some of which did lead to further searches, but unfortunately, nothing that led to Christie. On December 11th, 1988, at the one-year anniversary, multiple articles about the case were released, including one by the Associated Press that included a quote from Christie's mom that said, I honestly feel that she's not alive. I just don't think there's any possibility that she's out there. Mark, in this article, said that he thought Christy was still alive and that she was probably, quote, living out west somewhere. 
He did say that they were having some minor marital problems when she left, and he claimed that he actually didn't even know about Christie's affair until the police told him about it after her disappearance. The state patrol detective that was leaving the case agreed with Christie's mom, Connie, that it was unlikely that Christie would return alive. At some point, the FBI joined in the investigation, but by 1989, reporting really, really slowed down a lot. In April of 1989, Mark formally filed for divorce from Christie and claimed she had abandoned him and their children. Soon, though, he was remarried and he had relocated to a new city. In May of 1989, another volunteer effort to search for Christie's body was made. About 100 volunteers searched 200 square miles for clues using ground and horse teams. This search turned up some undisclosed evidence that was actually sent for lab testing, but police have never announced what this evidence was. In July, Mark told the media that Christie had threatened him with divorce on many occasions and said he suspected she was seeing someone else, but she denied it. He claimed he had gone through six lie detector tests and passed them all. In December, at the two-year anniversary, Connie pleaded for people to come forward with information. Police said the investigation was ongoing and they were still chasing leads. By 1990, Christie's story was almost forgotten about. There were only two articles written about it that year. One was in May when it was reported that Mark had sued Connie, which again is Christie's mom, for recording some of their calls when he had called Connie's home. Connie admitted to recording parts of the conversation that Mark had with his children. A judge actually dismissed this lawsuit, which, good. The other article in 1990 was released at the three-year anniversary. The state patrol said they had a new investigator on the case and told the media they were definitely going to solve Christie's case, but that it might take time. He said they were working on theories that could lead to proof that a certain person was responsible. As the years passed, reporting on the story pretty much stopped except for each year on the anniversary of Christie's disappearance and the case went cold. Chrissy's family continued to look for her and asked for state and county officials to open a grand jury investigation, but they were always turned down due to lack of evidence. In 1994, one of the previous lead investigators told the media that he thought a grand jury might uncover new information from people who had been more reluctant to cooperate, so people like Mark. The case was still active at this point, but there was no officer assigned to pursue leads full-time, and so a grand jury was never convened. In 1997, for the 10-year anniversary, Christie's Aunt Joanne told the Omaha World-Herald that she was still following leads and she would not let Christie's story be forgotten. In contrast, Mark's father, lovely man that he is, told the World-Herald that his family had, quote, completely forgotten and moved ahead, end quote. This is the mother of his grandchildren that he's talking about like this. That's I'm like, what? Like, why? That's wild. That's an unhinged comment. Absolutely I feel like unhinged. If you want to say you move, you've moved ahead, you're looking forward, all those things. I get that, but to use the word forgotten is horrific. Yeah. So at this point, Mark and his third wife were now divorced, and he was married to his fourth wife. Not surprisingly, Mark had actually been accused of abusing both of these women as well, and an arrest warrant for third-degree assault was even filed against Mark in 1992, but he actually skipped town before they could serve that warrant on him. In 1990, he was sentenced to 20 days in jail for lying about getting robbed at a gas station that he worked at. In 2003, there was a little bit of new movement in Christie's case when the State Patrol Cold Case Division took over the investigation and stated that Mark was their only suspect. 
They confirmed that Mark did undergo a polygraph back in 1987, but they said the results were not conclusive and that Mark's claims that he had taken and passed all these polygraph tests and his story in general just wasn't right. In 2004, Connie said that she believed Mark had beat Christy to death and then disposed of her body. She said, quote, the only solace we had was hoping to see justice done. I don't think we'll see justice in our lifetime. I would just like to lay Christy to rest, end quote. Connie said that over the years, she's had friends whose children have died, and she envied them because at least they knew what happened and where their children were. She said, quote, there are a lot worse things than losing someone. Connie really wants Christy to have a proper grave, one where Connie can go visit and leave flowers. She said that she hadn't spoken to or seen her grandkids since they went to live with Mark full time. She sent birthday cards and presents over the years, but every single one of them was returned to her unopened. In 2005, a generous grant of $250,000 enabled the state patrol to start working on Christie's case again. Over the next two years, they worked to gather DNA, but unfortunately, they weren't able to get any good results, which meant they had to go back to what they called a more conventional type of police work. The 20-year anniversary of Christie's disappearance was in 2007, and multiple members of her family spoke with the World Herald again. At that time, her family had mixed opinions about what happened. Her Aunt Joanne believed that Christie was murdered and buried somewhere, while Christie's father thought it was possible that something else happened. He said, I'd like to find an answer. Somebody has to know something, whether she's dead or alive or left on her own or whether she was murdered. With that being said, though, Ken said that he does not believe Christy would have left her children. He said, quote, even 20 years later, I can't believe she'd do that. There's a lot of thoughts on what happened. I'd like somebody to come forward with the information. Sadly, there have been no new leads in the case and Christy's family was left desperate for answers. Hoping to bring in tips, police put Christy's cold case info in a deck of playing cards, which were handed out in prisons and jails across the state. Christy was on the Queen of Hearts card. In 2012, Christy's Aunt Joanne said she hasn't given up hope that the family will one day learn the truth about what happened, but they do believe that Christy died. That doesn't stop them from wanting to find her body so they can properly lay her to rest. Joanne said the last 25 years have been extremely hard. She said, quote, My heart goes out to people all over the country when I hear about somebody missing. The not knowing is very frustrating. You want the guilty to be brought to justice, end quote. The Herald reported that there were rumors around town that Christie's body was buried in the local railroad overpass or another area, or she was, quote-unquote, entombed in another construction project. In January of 2020, in an attempt to renew interest in the case, authorities sent out a press release on social media stating that even though the leads have dwindled, each one is still important and followed up on, so they were urging the public to come forward with anything, no matter how small it might seem. The smallest tip could be the missing piece of the puzzle that's needed. Christie's daughter wrote, quote, I would give anything to know what happened to my mother, or even just to find her. I need closure. My family needs closure, end quote. Christie's sister wrote, quote, she is missed and loved. Please share her story, end quote. Christie's case is still open today with the Nebraska State Patrol, the Dawson County Sheriff's Office, and the Gothenburg PD all helping. Christie Jo Nichols went missing on December 10, 1987. At the time, she was 22 years old, 5'5", and weighed 120 pounds. She had brown hair and green eyes and was reportedly last seen wearing blue jeans and hiking boots. 
Anyone with information is asked to call the Nebraska State Patrol at 402-479-4049. Mandy, we don't know what happened here. I have a lot of theories on what could have happened here, but my gosh, the way police dropped the ball in the very beginning, especially the chief. Yeah, yeah. And and like I said in the beginning, you do get cases where people like genuinely do just want to disappear and don't want you to come looking for them or to come find them. But this case did not seem like that, even from the very beginning. And Mm -hmm. it would take so little to just like talk to a few people, you know, just to say like, that we spoke with her friends and family and this, you know, I feel like if someone was planning on truly just leaving like that, you would, there would, they would have left some sign of that behind. There would be some kind of sign of that that you would find if you spoke with people or if you spoke with people, then you might find out that this woman had been abused by her husband and had been speaking to divorce attorneys, which obviously would then lead you to believe, hey, maybe we should dig deeper into this guy, the husband. But then there was the whole thing about the, you know, it's a small town and the husband may have had some connections or friends of the family. And you just kind of wonder how that played into how little they looked into it. Right. All of it is really, really terrible. But I also am, am, honestly, I'm always amazed whenever you hear about stories like this, where like a regular, you know, a regular family, when I say regular, I mean like not like someone famous or whatever that can actually like, I want to say get away with murder. I mean, we don't know for sure that Christy was killed, but it is crazy to think that like even back in the 1980s, like they could be out at a bar one night and that was the last time she was ever seen and no one knows what happened to her. Like it's, it is wild to me that there have not been any discoveries made about as far as where her body is or anything. Right. And that's really, really hard, obviously for the family that they haven't found her body, but they don't, they can't say for sure that she is dead because there right. isn't a body. And I saw something this week, and I don't remember where what I read or who said it exactly, but it was something along the lines of a killer shouldn't be rewarded because they hide a body well enough, basically. And I'm not saying that's exactly what happened, but just because you can't find a body, it's – I don't know. We've seen so much less uh, evidence where someone's been at least indicted, and for it never even to – be seen in front of a grand jury is kind of wild to me Yeah, years ago. Um, I, I don't quite get it, but I really do hope. I mean, there's just so much more in science and resources and all that. Like, I don't think in today's day and age, a cold case is ever really cold because you maybe there know. aren't those people working on it, but there are is so much more in technology and you just never know who could stumble upon something. So I'm very hopeful for her family in the future. For sure. Yeah, me too. Okay, Melissa, before we get out of here for the the week, let's turn the page and just do a little quick last thing before we go. Sounds good. A little something we've kind of done before. We've discussed weird holidays because there's always it's always like national something day. day, right? Every mm-hmm. day is national something day. So, Melissa, holidays in July. Obviously, we have the 4th of July. We're past that. Sure. What else do we have in this okay. wonderful time? My son would claim his birthday was a holiday, so I will add that, July 3rd. (laughs) But (laughs) beyond that, here's one for July 25th. So that's the day this is coming out. One that I saw was the the National Hot Fudge Sundae. Hmm. 
I can get behind a holiday like that when you're telling me to eat ice cream and chocolate to celebrate something. Well, I know recently it was also National Ice Cream Day. Like just like last week, I saw a bunch of people posting on social media with their ice cream cones and stuff. And it was ice cream day. But this is ice cream Sunday day. This is a leveled up ice cream day. Do you like ice cream sundaes like with the hot fudge and stuff, whipped cream and, you know, you I never do it. probably. But yeah, I can't do it at my house. But I like... I mean, I like it, but I'm never like, I should do that. Me either. I don't ever really get like my mom uh, has told me that when she was pregnant with me, she would go and get a McDonald's hot fudge sundae every single day on her way home from work. That was like her pregnancy craving when she was pregnant with me. And I don't really care. I don't really get like cravings for ice cream a lot anyway, but like definitely would never sit here and be like, you know what I want? A hot fudge sundae. So funny you should say that because when I was pregnant with my daughter, every Friday I would go to TCBY. I don't even know if there's any TCBYs really around anymore. I don't know. I don't know if they're still in business. I don't know. This one was like downtown. Like I had to go way out of my way to get to this one. But I would get every Friday um, a strawberry frozen yogurt mm. with Reese's Reese's Pieces and Ew. I know I know <laughs> you lost and then there. some other chocolate peanut like they had different Reese's kind of things like the chunks and then they also had just like the Reese's Pieces whatever that's what I would have with strawberry ice cream I know every week and the funny with thing strawberry? is my son ended up with a peanut allergy so maybe I should yeah because it. he was like horrified by that combination he was like we have to get rid of <laughs> like, one of these things <laughs> Don't do this to me, I lady. never want to be allergic. these two things together again, <laughs> so we're going to make sure of it. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, so I did have that. So that was – and I did put whipped cream on it. It was good. I oh, yeah. It. What do you – do you like the little maraschino cherries? Love them. Love Ew, them. Ew. There's no – no. Uh-huh. We, we do not dessert the same way. <laughs> we do This is a judgment-free zone unless there's corn nuts involved. There's nothing be, wrong with those. I can't. Do you like regular cherries, though? I do. My favorite are the Rainier cherries, the ones that come oh, from yeah, yeah, yeah. up there in the Rainier, Mount Rainier area. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Those are my favorite. But the only thing I don't like about cherries is the seeds. I, I mean, you can get seeds. Do you have those, a but... container thing or like a, a a friend of mine bought it for me for Christmas one year and it sounds random, but it's one of those things when you have it, it makes your life so much better. It takes the pits out. So you just hold it, push it and it hits the seed out and then you have a plain one you can just pop in your mouth I need i'm buying to you one get that. it's coming to you check your amazon in two days nice <laughs> it's the best thing ever yeah i love nice. it and if you love cherries that's the whole issue with cherries is the stupid seeds but wow this makes it so much better do you have a holiday after trashing my um i do actually one? well anyway <laughs> i realize that we're talking about t- holidays that are today uh the 25th when this episode's coming out right. so another one that i think is i actually didn't well i should have known that this was a thing but i think it's cool it's health and happiness with hypnosis day so if you are interested in Getting that healthy is... and happy with hypnosis. This is your day. I feel, I feel like somebody was like healthy and happy. What else? Another H. Somebody come up with an H and somebody yelled hypnosis and they were like, yeah. okay, I guess somebody will hypnosis celebrate. Hypnosis has become really a popular thing lately. I mean, not for I me. I like to keep it silent for you know, like... to like then further go. Um, There was a documentary I was just telling you about that's uh, true crime. Look into my eyes, I think is what it's called. It's on prime video or something but it's about that 
teacher, I think I told you, or the principal in South Florida, and he would hypnotize the students, and two of them, three of them died, I think, and they are trying to link it Wait, off. Wait, what is this? Ma'am, I told it to you. Oh my gosh, I know, it was but on I guess our I... Patreon episode. <laughs> Like a couple weeks ago, I told it to you live and in person. And I think um, I said at the time I also wanted to, wanted to watch it. I wanted to watch it. Well, now, now I get I'm, lied to a yep, lot. Yep. Well, mm-hmm. I still want to watch. I, it. I just forgot about it. <laughs> <laughs> I want to watch it again, but this time I want to um, actually watch it. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's good. It's kind of long. I will be honest. Like I'm like you could have made this into two, but then the I, have you noticed this with documentaries lately? I know I'm going off topic. The last one, you're like, okay, there's got to be another one. It doesn't feel like it really ends with like a story closing uh-huh. and you're like okay where's the next one and it doesn't exist that's what i felt like with this one i kept waiting for the next one i'm like how did this how was this the end nothing, how is it over yeah nothing really happened i gotta be honest wow. huh um okay so i'll do one more um other holiday okay half of this i would love to celebrate wine and cheese not really a wine person cheese person definitely a cheese person i you know what maybe i'll you know what my kids aren't even here tonight. Maybe I'll go to the store and get some wine and cheese. Honestly, that's that sounds great. Um, this You won't care about this part, but I do need to share this. The new season of Real Housewives of New York, it's a whole new group of people, but they got in a fight over a cheese plate, like having a cheese, basically a charcuterie board, charcuterie, charcuterie board, um, with cheese and like there was an offensive thing with it and a fight over cheese that's like the best tv i've ever seen in my entire life (laughs) don't judge me but it was great do you have a favorite cheese though mandy um i don't know that i have a favorite i do love feta but i also like to eat a lot of mediterranean food so i'm a big feta cheese person but i also like a nice haverty Okay. Gruyere. <laughs> I really like Can't them all. say either one of those. Okay. Or just give me like a brie with some berry. Brie. Mm-hmm. Like a berry compote. <laughs> look, how, look how fancy I, I, I was got. thinking the word in my head, but I was thinking it was compost, and I knew <laughs> that wasn't right, so I didn't want to try it out. And like a delicate so little cracker. <laughs> oh, so good. That's like one of my favorite things. Um, mm, I get that too. all the time. Yeah. I like pepper jack and Colby jack. What is Colby jack? Oh, yeah. Know. Well, if I'm just like slicing off a hunk of cheese, yes. Give me like a pepper jack or like – or Oh, my jack. gosh, yes. If you put like cheese cubes in front of me like they do at appetizer things, like on mm-hmm. charcuterie things, I could eat so many cubes of cheese. Like the, I literally would put down like a block of cheese in one sitting and like yeah. not even realize it. But I feel like that's the same thing you do with – um, people who eat deviled eggs, like you wouldn't ever sit down and be like, I want to eat six eggs in a, a row. Eggs. But mm-hmm. like, you do it if you eat like deviled eggs. Oh, mozzarella will sticks. That many. Yeah, That's yeah. That's what right? you hear, like the fried mozzarella sticks. Like, do you want to eat six uh, cheese sticks? Whatever. No, but I'll take six fried with marinara sauce. Right. Yeah, exactly. Like, totally. Same thing. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, so there's actually some other fun days this um, today, but there's also an important one I saw on the list, World Drowning Prevention Day. Uh, we've talked about on the show before, that's one that, uh, that's a topic that is super, super important to me, especially yeah. we've talked about living in Florida where we have water. And this time of year in the summer, it's so important to just have that awareness and just remember, you know, that yeah. um, little ones need an extra eye on them around the water. Yeah, and there tends to be lots of places that do swim lessons and stuff like that, even for free or scholarships or whatever. There's a lot of, like, churches will do it and stuff. Yeah, right. There's lots of good resources, and especially in Florida, we see that a lot. So, yeah, that's a very, We did that. Um, Did you guys do that with your 
kids? I can't remember. We did with yeah. uh, my youngest. We got the swimming, le- just the rescue swimming. Like it wasn't like not, we didn't like put him on a swim team when he yeah, was yeah. three or anything, but <laughs> we had somebody come and at least teach him the rescue swim, you know, swimming yeah. movement so that he would be able to at least um, get on his back and float and, you know, wait for help if necessary. So yeah. that kind of stuff is so important. So yeah, just a little friendly midsummer reminder. It's always um, a good reminder. Yeah, yeah, always be vigilant about that. But all right, guys, that was the episode for this week. We will be back next week. Same time, same place, new story. And don't forget to join us on Patreon for Jackbox Games. Yes, on, I'm so excited. Let's see if I can remember. On July 29th at <laughs> 8 p.m. You got right? it. Nailed it. Yeah, I Perfect. had to pull up my calendar in record time. <laughs> <laughs> All, right. All right, guys, we'll see you next week. Have a great week. Bye.